0: This is Bottom of the Bill. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of
1: Bottom of the Bill. Before we get to today's guest, we do a little uh, recent check-in. So how have you been doing, Chris?
2: Doing good. This one probably won't be a little. It's been like three weeks since we've done anything podcast-related. Uh, I it's know. It's
1: I would use the word vacation, but I don't feel like that's accurate. It's been a vacation from the podcast.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, you spent time in L.A.
1: Yeah.
2: That was uh vacation-esque. You weren't gigging. You were working, but you weren't yeah. working. I you know it's weird. It doesn't feel like a vacation. Week. I mean, I did some things that were
1: vacation-like, but I did, I was, like, hitting jams and, like, you know, Meeting up with people and like talking mostly music-related yeah. things and it was a lot of fun though, man. Uh, with, like uh, the gems out there, like a different kind of situation.
2: Yeah, uh, there was the uh, one I saw you were at. Didn't catch the name of it. Was a, a tiny jams. Yeah.
1: Yeah. there's uh, so it's cool. There's like a just uh, a fun little anecdote I'll get to in a minute, but like so it's uh it's, it's just. Studio called Tiny Room Studios. Mm. And um, basically, when you walk in, uh, it's like a little waiting area. And then they have, like, you yeah, they go, like, you open up a door, a hallway, it goes down to like, they have a studio. And um, they have, like, the upstairs, which is like, they have a big TV speakers where, like, they, they can watch content, review content, and stuff like that. And then on, you know, the other side of all that, there was just this open like warehouse space, and they turned it into like they built a, a really nice stage, you know, great lighting. I mean, full PA system. Uh, and it, it, keep, I mean, they, they built it like a venue, you know, yeah. and uh, and then they host these games there on Mondays and Tuesdays, and uh, it's cool, but it's also a little it's different. So like you have. Um, like a house band that's like kind of different every every jam, but like also it's kind of same people. Yeah. So I don't know. It's hard to hard to explain. But like a lot of the same like musicians that just kind of rotate in and out of the thing. Right. And um, like it's all improvised for the most part. You know, sometimes people go into songs, but like it starts off like an improvised concept, and then you know the musicians. Just kind of decide in the middle of a jam, like when you know you're getting off stage or when somebody. Is. So it's like, for instance, we'll be vamping on something for a while, and then a guitar player will just walk up, they say, hey "Man, I'm getting up now." And the guitar player just pops off and they're all plugs in while the jam is still happening. And the same thing, the drummer will walk up and say, "Hey man, I'm going to play now," and the drummer just gets off, and then the j- and the music just keeps going the whole time. Yeah, and it's, it's cool. If you if you're already in like integrated with with the scene, it's cool because like these are your friends and it's just whatever. I don't know anybody, right? <laughs> so like for me to just walk up and tell somebody, hey man, I'm gonna play now, is uh, is a little intimidating. So I had to play one one night, and the rest of the time I was just kind of like watching just the dynamic of it because I went there three times nice. and. Uh, it was, uh, and the musicians are just so good. And also, like, you're playing with people. Like, I met a dude who plays in the Weekend's Band and then somebody else who plays in J-Lo's Band. Uh, and I'm like, I was talking to this one dude, and, uh, we were just, you know, attached kind of to the or whatever. And, uh, I was like, Who do you play? Like, do you play in any bands or anything around town? And he was like, Yeah, yeah, I played a couple bands, you know, um, he starts to name off a couple, and he goes, You know, free, uh, free Nationals. And I was like, oh, What? <laughs> he was AA with, with AP, and I was like, Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, got, I got it, I got it, dude. <laughs> um, and then like I met like five people there that also like it's a big collective of musicians, so like, everyone's getting cycled in and out for just for, for, like, whatever's you know needed for the thing. So yeah, it's like a whole it's a whole thing, dude. So I don't know, it's a different different world out there. So, but yeah, it was fun. Uh, I met up with Jose there. Yeah, I
2: so saw you saw some of the jack Yeah. Jake.
1: I met uh, with Jake when I was there, but I, I saw Jose at the Titan Jam. Oh, nice. That's where we linked up the first time I saw him. And then uh, Jake, him and I just, like, linked up and went on went on a hike and just talked for a while. He's got a lot of cool stuff going on, too, man. I've been keeping up with him, man. He's, he's killing it. Yeah, a lot of cool projects, a lot of cool bands. Yeah. Some good shows. Yeah, and he's, like, kind of doing the musical director thing for this one project. He was showing me some stuff that we're working on. It's, I mean, really good, man. He's come, uh, I don't like to say he's come a long way. He's always been, like, great. But just to see where he's at in his career now, he's, like, really cool, you know. Definitely. Well deserved. Yeah, man. So I got back, uh, I guess, a week ago today, and I've been just uh not haven't like stopped since I've been back. I've been digging and doing working on this documentary uh, yeah. the acoustic thing and then uh now I'm sick because of it so
2: it's <laughs> <laughs> great. You getting any closer to getting that thing uh making some progress on it?
1: Uh yeah. Jay is doing the, the music side of it so um uh, he should be getting some drafts to me soon and then I've been doing the doc part of it, so I've got like three of the interviews cut up already, mm-hmm. three of the songs on the interview side cut up already, i got to finish the other four and then i got to um, start sifting through the b reel stuff and start figuring out where I'm going to put it, and then start to, you know, put the, the songs in there as they come in, Yeah. so it's still got some ways to go, but, you know, it's slowly trekking along. Very nice. Yeah. 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 So what's going on with you?
2: Um, yeah, had a had in and in a busy run of work. Um, we uh, had my first Bay Kings gig last night, oh, nice. um, and then I got another one tomorrow. And then today I'm headed to Orlando to play with Madison and the crew. Um, and before that, I had gigs every day this week: Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We started a new jam at Nine Ball uh, Heaven over on U- University here in Jack. Um, and that was a lot of fun, uh, a lot of good players, I got to see my buddy Mitch, who plays for Flip turn oh, no. um, uh, he came out and played with us and was kicking ass, which was a lot of fun. Um, how was it, you having good turnouts for that one? Yeah, so we just ran the first one, we booked it as a one-off and, you know, thought that we might, you know, do something with it, um, but we, we booked that one-off and by the end of the night, they, they booked us for every Monday um, right away. So, oh, yeah. um, And it's cool. They got, like, a nice stage in there. Uh, we bring our own sound and stuff, but good turnout, good players that turned out. Um, and we, like, all this, we've got a full house band in there, um, the Snake Pile Group, and we're trying to turn that into more of a players jam um, and try to do – you know, like 1904 in the Funk Jam was kind of like that place for the players to go hang. And like you knew there would be like a certain level of quality and not everyone would know everything, but like you could go and like, I can make some, some cool music happen and stuff. And you know, there's a lot of open mic style jams, but there's not really a dedicated players jam, I feel like. Right. So we're kind of trying to gear this towards that and maybe be a little more exclusive on some of the people that jump off and play and stuff. Um. And it's cool for us, like, we're we're pretty much going to do an hour set every time we start it and then get our friends up either to play with us or, you know, if if there's enough people to make a group, have that go up and stuff, and then we'll probably close out the night with a couple tunes too. Um, So it's good for us to, like, kind of learn tunes and get our chops up and stuff and then also have a place for musicians to come out and hang. And a, a lot of people live right in that area. I didn't even know, like, Matt came out. He was like, I live right behind this place. Mentioned um, yeah, like, yeah, I was 10 minutes away from here. Um, the Raj, uh, nasty bass player, came out and sat in as well. Edwin is doing a lot of piano bar stuff, so he came out, and I hadn't seen him in years. Oh, yeah, really? um, And he was sounding great. So, cool spot. I mean, it's massive. It's, really? not, I like, did not know what I was walking into. It is like taking up four shop fronts in this, in this mini mart, yeah. in this shopping mart, mart thing. Like, it's massive. Like they got a whole side, like if you cleared out all the tables in that stage room area, it could be like a three or four hundred cap venue really by itself, and then there's another room that's kind of connected to it right next door that is the same size. That's that is crazy. Massive. So what 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 is the place? It's a pool hall? It's a pool hall, yeah. Nine Ball Heavens yeah. uh, off the University, and uh, yeah. I I will learn more about it as we go,
1: but, so who's in, like, who who makes up the house band?
2: So it's me, KP, Hamby, and, um, uh, Jeremy King, yeah, and Jeremy found it for us, and he was, I think he had kind of something in the works, but he asked us if we wanted something on Monday, so we were like, yeah, we'll take it, and it, you know, competitive pay, good pay for a four-piece on a Monday, um, which is really cool, um. I teach. Like the jam starts at seven, I teach till six thirty, so I fly across town and get there by downbeat, and uh, that'll be fun. Oh. That'll be an adventure that I'll have for hours now. So what's what time starts at seven? Yeah, seven to 7. Okay. Um. Yeah, and we just play a bunch of the tunes we've learned. Like we've picked up a lot of stuff for um the um. We're just doing these snake pile gigs. We figured we might as well play some stuff we want to play. So we've got like. We're doing like YAM and, um, what's some other spirits in the material world, some police, oh, yeah. some Mirage, um, work, a lot of stuff that we're just like, we've always wanted to play this music and we haven't got a chance to, so, yeah. You'll see some stuff that you probably won't see around town if you come out and check it out. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see. That's the jam. I, and everything, it's, you know, it's a work blur. I can even since the last time I saw you, we caught up at, just working, I'm trying to think anything crazy, just pretty much standard gig stuff and prepping some videos from the shoot. We got some more clips out from the uh, TimeWire shoot from forever ago. So oh, yeah. I think we dropped that video. I don't know if I've said it on here, so we hashtag dropped the video. <laughs> uh, it's out in the world. Nice. Um, yeah,
1: just trucking along, trucking along with all this cool stuff. So, it's up, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and- Oh, yeah, I had a fun anecdote that I wanted to share about the, uh, Jen. Oh, yeah, what's Um, I, uh, so it's it's in a rough part of town, to say the least. Uh, oh,
2: there's no, uh, two publics within sight of each other.
1: check out our TikTok for that one. <laughs> um, so, uh, it's in Englewood. Very oh, nice. Um, and, uh, it was funny, it was like, like, I, I parked, the first night that I went there, I parked like around the corner, and, and like, Jose met me there, or whatever. And, uh, he was like, uh, I was like, yeah, are you going to play tonight? I was like, oh, yeah, I got my stuff in the car, I'll probably get. He was like, oh, get your, get your stuff out of the car, dude, don't leave that shit. <laughs> and like, he's like, for real, though, like, go get it. Like, you don't, you can't do that. And I was like, oh, okay. And it's funny that my sister said the same thing, but like, you know, you hear people, like, you hear sitting here, it's like, yeah, people exaggerate, but apparently you just, you don't leave your shit in your car in L.A., it just doesn't happen. So anyways, um, uh, the second night that I went, I, uh, like, parking in, in, I would imagine, in, in most of the cities out in California, but, like, it, you have to know, like, when and what time to park there, like, there's a sign that it says you can park here. From seven a.m. to four p.m., uh, then after that it's tow away, and then except up for Sundays where it's you know eleven a.m. to nine a.m. or to, to twelve p.m. Some shit. You know, it's always little things. So, anyways, I'm looking for parking. It's like late at night in this neighborhood that's very quiet and real uh hood. You know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so um, I find what I thought was a parking spot. Okay,
2: yeah.
1: and I park there and I walk, I walk up the block to the, to the gym and I come back like two hours later and I look at where I'm parked and I'm like, oh shit, this is not a parking spot. In fact, I parked in front of somebody's garage because it was like street parking <laughs> where the sidewalk dips for a driveway into somebody's garage, right? And I, it's nighttime, I couldn't see, I didn't my glasses, whatever. So, all right, well, I'm just going to throw this in here and walk away real quick. And as soon as I walk up to the car, somebody opens up the front door. They say, hey, man, you can't fucking park here like that. And I was like, dude, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't even realize. I didn't see my bad. He was like, "So you get stopped for shit like that around here. And I was like, all right, man, I again, like, really, I apologize. My bad. It won't happen again. He was like, "They like, scared me down for a minute. And I was like, I felt like something was about to happen. So I was like, all right, dude. My bad again. I'm sorry. I opened the car door and I got in and left. And I thought for sure, like, something was about to go down. And I was driving my sister's car. So, like, <laughs> I'm just happy you didn't come out and just smash the shit up. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, if you're having
2: a school race.
1: She doesn't know about that. <laughs> I didn't tell her. To, didn't. No. <laughs> I did not tell her. She <laughs> already. Ha- but I told her the part of town it was in. She was already, like, uh,
2: you can Uber. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so anyways that was fun um so yeah uh lesson learned don't uh, look out for your parking and go with
2: don't park Yeah, LA. right
1: and then like the the and then the first night that i was there me jose my like two other people were out front talking for a while and we just heard like it was sound like a shotgun blast I'm not talking, like, in the distance. This was, like, the block over or something. She like, jumped, and then one of the people was, like, standing out there and she was like, well, oh, that thing, Lord, this is where I live. And I was like, all right, dude, well, that's fucking wild. <laughs> like, not even phase, the rest of us like, jumped, or like what the fuck is going on, you know? Classic. <laughs> that's crazy, dude. Anyways, um, this week on the show, we have a real good friend of mine, a special guest, uh, Keith Harry, who I've been playing with, uh, we've been working together for years now. Uh, he played, he, uh, we met when he was playing uh, with a band called the River, Andrew Scotch and the River Rats based out of Asheville. And uh, we did a show together, I don't know, probably eight years ago, seven years ago, something like that. And uh, I mean, really hit it off with the whole crew, but Keith and I really struck up a good friendship as well and just kept in contact over the years. And since then, we have worked on you know, collaborations together. Uh, I did some stuff during COVID that uh, that Chris helped out with too, and that he played bass on. And uh, I, you know, I played on some of his songs on his uh, latest record, and uh, you know, done numerous tours together, and just you know, always really enjoy. Super talented guy, really person. I mean, just an awesome guy. with his crash at his place whenever we toured through Asheville. Uh, I mean, just awesome. We've done really crazy amount nice of stuff together over the years. i am thinking about it. So it was awesome to have them on the show and catch up for a while. So uh, we hope you enjoy the episode. Let us know what you think. we got uh, merchandise link in the description. Uh, we've got, uh, what else? What else? Social media stuff. Life, sorry, guys. I'm a little out of it today. <laughs> I'm not feeling so hot so um yeah but you know merchandise social media give a like follow subscribe all that good stuff and uh again enjoy the episode we'll see you guys later peace
0: this is bottom of the bill and we are live keith harry how are you doing my boy (laughs)
3: Oh, not too shabby, my friend.
0: How about you? I'm good, man. We've been trying to make this call happen for quite some time, so I'm excited we finally got it worked out and we got past all the technical difficulties. Yeah,
3: and all the natural disasters and
0: yes, the natural disaster. I mean, it's always <laughs> weird with the, with the with the hurricanes here because they it always make such a big deal out of it. And Jacksonville, like North Florida, seems to be in this sweet spot. And we lost you again.
3: <laughs> oh no. I can see y'all.
0: Oh, you can see us? Well, the recording's still yeah. going. The recording's still going? Yeah. Okay. Well, we're so just going to...
4: You just picture his pretty face and okay. uh, and keep it rolling, <laughs> you know?
0: Um, so yeah, North Florida is always in this little sweet spot where we uh, don't really get hit um, very often, so it's nice. Uh, what's been going on with you, man?
3: Did a lot. Tons. Been, it's been a crazy yeah. couple weeks since the last time we tried to do this i guess the biggest news is i got engaged
0: oh you what? did Yep. Yeah. oh congratulations a secret plan that's, i've been in the that's, works that's for a huge. few months
3: thanks man i'm super the,
0: pumped you've been sitting on the news for a few months you said
3: yeah i've been i've been concocting the plan and you know getting all the ducks in a row to make it happen and did it on Tuesday.
0: That's super dope, man! Congratulations, that's that's awesome. Um, Thanks. What, uh, do you guys like, have a date yet, or like, do you know where you're gonna get married at?
3: Uh, we're definitely gonna get married in Asheville, but date TBD. We want a fall wedding, so we're we're p- planning out logistics. Lot, we're already thinking about it, but there's so much to go into it. So, you know phase one we're just in phase one right now nothing definite
0: yeah i feel that man that's awesome congratulations that's so dope thanks and uh how's that uh how's that working with your uh touring schedule you guys must be uh i mean it's got to be important to be on the same page and communicating and all that stuff you guys are pretty good about all that
3: Yeah. Yeah. Communication is key in that regard. Um, and trust and, you know, she's been nothing but supportive and and amazing. And I mean, hence why pop the question, but, uh, it's, you know, the thing that, that always gets me is how, how, uh, how myself I feel and how she's given me nothing but space to just be myself. Never did anything to try and change me. Never, gets upset she just knows that i'm a touring musician and she respects and appreciates that and you know we we make it work i mean it's not always easy that's for damn sure but uh the communication is what drives the the comfort and allows things to to move smoothly so it's been it's been a great growing experience to be with somebody so open and supportive and still allow me to be me and uh just grow as a person and grow as a couple, and I'm super excited about the future.
0: That's dope, man. Uh, yeah, I'm really happy for you. That's that's super cool. Um, and tell me about what uh, what else you've been you've you've had going on. Uh, you said that you were playing some festivals and you had some cool stuff in the in the works last time we spoke.
3: Yeah, I did Americana Fest last week uh, in Nashville for six days. Got to sit on some, con- or not, you know, be, I wasn't on a panel, but I sat in on conferences and listened to people, you know, just kind of impart wisdom and got to see some killer music and just hang out with the boys and just, you know, it was a, it was a great time. Nashville's always a, a, na- a good place to go. It's It's always inspiring the hustle and bustle of the music industry there and you know, uh, it's it's a lot different than Nashville. Asheville. Nashville's a nice, sleepy, creative mountain town. You go to a place like Nashville, and it's hustle bustle, business, and um, it, it's it's kind of like going to New York City for me. I always get inspired going to New York City because you see everybody bustling around and busting hump to get by. It's you know, it gives you it gives you an energy to go back home with, and I always, I always get that going to a place like Nashville too.
0: Where um were you where were you guys
3: staying at So Kevin um I play with Kevin Daniel and the Bottom Line and Kevin is based out of Nashville. So he had a house there. We got to we just stayed at his house and hung out.
0: And were you guys like recording and stuff or did you have like gigs in the books? Like what what was the uh what was the experience Yeah, it before? was we
3: had a um we uh Kevin got his first uh, official AmericanaFest showcase. So we played a we played a show at Eastside Bowl, and then just attended the conferences and the um, the shows. And I also took a bunch of meetings with agents that I work with and managers that I've dealt with. So it was kind of like double dipping. Did a little booking work. Did a little music. Did a little uh, spectating. So it was all encompassing trip.
0: Yeah, man, that's what's, like, to your point about Nashville and New York and, and, and L.A. and places like that, where there's just so much going on all the time, especially in regards to entertainment and music, where, like, you can really experience, like, it's one thing to go to, like, a place, like, Asheville's got a great scene, you know, we talk about it all the time on the show, where there's, like, there's, like, these cities with great scenes, but then there's, like, this there's this next level where like there's so much industry in certain places like beyond just the music scene. So it's cool to go to a place like Nashville or New York or LA and kind of see like all the subsequent kind of, uh, I guess, infrastructure that exists to serve the industry. So like you can really find like, you know, there's management companies, there's booking agencies, publishing houses, there's like all these different aspects you can really dive into. And I'm curious as to, obviously, like the, the music is a given, you know, people, like Nashville's known for just having killer musicians playing all the time, touring, putting out great music. But I'm curious as to what your perspective and experience was like on the booking end of it there. Like what kind of meetings were you taking? And if you're even allowed to like disclose any of that?
3: Yeah, I mean, the meetings were just like getting to know the agents that I deal with more on, you know, I email and I call people all the time, but it's rare that we get to actually interface and be in the same room. So, you know, it's just an important part of the process where it's all about relationships that that whole part of the the industry is just relationships, forging connections with people. And, you know, one of the best ways to do it is face to face, being able to be in the same room, talk, you know chew the fat um not it's not always business either it's you know just like hey what's what do you do in your world outside of this and just getting to know each other on a different level and stuff you can't really do over email or phone i mean phone conversations are great too easier you know that i would say emails is like one way to get it done the phone call is the next level to get it done in a in a faster manner but there's nothing like being in a room and that's kind of like the top tier way of uh, getting to interface with people, and I, I just think it's really important to do that. So every time I'm in a place like Nashville with people I work with um, on that level, I I like to to get get to know them, being being in the room, kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I mean it goes such a long way because then if there's there's this personal aspect that you're getting that you're not really getting when you're. Shooting like emails and text messages and stuff, you lose so much of like the the interpersonal relationship, I guess. And when right. when you're in the room with people, you can really I don't know. There's there's something that happens where it feels like I don't want to use the word like like they feel like they like they have to kind of keep you in mind. But there's just something there's something to that that in person relationship that I feel like really keeps you fresh in people's in people's heads and you do end up getting calls and you do end up uh, with better opportunities because of it, you know?
3: Well, yeah, I, I heard somebody speak on a panel once, uh, and it was the agent for like bad bunny. It was like a monster agent, um, somebody doing huge stuff. And, um, his thing was like, you know, in the end, this is a human experience. We're we're humans, we we need to make it a human experience. And when it's all digital emails, and there's barely phone calls, or, you know, the in person interaction, you kind of lose the fact that like, it's humans dealing with each other. So to put that humanity to it, when you're in person is is, uh, super critical, because you can't let the business side of it forget that this is two humans trying to make something happen, and we're we're really on the same team. We're not at odds. We need what's best for everybody. Because if the venue fails, then the artist doesn't have a place to go. And if you know the artist, it's it's a uh, um, it all revolves together. So, you know, I I really took that to heart when I heard that guy talk because he's making monster deals, and he's still putting that human touch and making sure that you know he's acknowledging and respecting that you know we're, we're just humans in the end and we need to to have that connection more than anything and that's how it really gets done
0: yeah 100% man and i'm curious like something that i've always been interested in is like this kind of this perceived contention between artists and and you know whatever the quote unquote suits that are like you know the label side or or the you know the representation side where Um, You know, the story is old as time is like you're in a bad deal or or people get taken advantage of and this and that. I'm curious if you if you heard anything in those discussions where they where they talk about those points of contention and why that, I guess, perspective is so common, because It is the case that we are all on the same team, at least ideally, and we should all be working together to like make the best outcome possible. But when does somebody feel it's advantageous to like be greedy or to, um, you know, I guess take more uh, or just take advantage of people that they, they have more, I guess, say, or more of a voice than? An interesting question.
3: I don't know. I, it's, it, I think some of that cut just comes from maybe lack of understanding. Um, so many, there. there's artists out there that maybe aren't, they're, they're artists, they're pure artists. They want to make art and that's their focus. And maybe they don't understand the other side. So some of that contention might come from that where they're just like, you know, business illiterate a little bit and d- don't quite understand it and maybe that fuels some of that um i mean there's definitely snakes out there 100 percent um but that applies to everything really there's you always got to have the watchful eye out for the snakes but i, I don't know I, I don't know where that that is stemmed from but it, it, it could be so many things really yeah and, it and, seems and like, in the end like though like it is realistic that sorry go ahead I was just going to say, you know, like in the end artists do end up getting paid the least sometimes. And, you know, that, and for the people creating the, the, the art and the, you know, the quote unquote product or whatever, you know, that they they, they, they tend to be valued the least. And I think that's overall, it's, you know, people don't, people live their life with art, but don't seem to value it accordingly, in my opinion, sometimes. Um, But, uh, so yeah, I I could see the contention coming from that too, because, you know, if you got a manager, that's 10, 15%, you got a booking agent, that's 10, 15%. You got a tour manager, you got, and all these things start dwindle down and then the artist gets paid, you know? So that's, I could see some contention coming from that too, but you know, you got to spend money to make money sometimes, and uh, you need a team. And people shouldn't work for free, but it all needs to be balanced. Again, back to communication, the human touch—that um, that can really help um, ward off that those contentions and miscommunications and all that stuff. So, it's a crazy world out there, hard to navigate, hard, a lot to keep track of.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. And I feel like communication is like the, like the, like the thing there with all of it, because there, I can definitely understand why an agent or a manager might be thinking, well, you know, we're doing X, Y, and Z. And if you didn't have this representation, you wouldn't be getting this, this, and this. And then like, there can be, and if we're not all in agreement, like sometimes, There's like these gray areas like, okay, well, where's the money coming from and where are like, and where are we taking the money from? If we're taking a percentage of the business, are we taking a percentage of, of one aspect of the business? Like, and then sometimes when things aren't like clearly laid out, which is why contracts are so important. I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. Like if there's not a clear and direct line where everything should be going to and who gets what, then that's where I think the miscommunication comes into play and then people start to feel like they're getting screwed you know
3: I heard a great line um, at one of the conferences this past week that contracts aren't for people you don't trust contracts are made between friends so all the things are lined out you know black and white and you can stay friends and I was like that that's a great that's a great point. You know, if, if it's super pro and super clear cut and direct to have a contract and who better to want to keep a good relationship with than your friends. So that, that was like so poignant and just punched right home. I mean, yes, contracts are for the snakes too, but you know, you want to stay friends with somebody, let's, let's talk it out directly up front. I like that.
0: A hundred percent. And, and furthermore, like be extra wary of the people that are like, we don't need a contract. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like those people that are just like, you know, we can do this on the handshake or we can, you know, yeah, we just, we sit here in person. We've had a discussion about what the expectations are and we can just leave it right here. Anybody who is trying to, um, dismiss the value of a contract I think is super you have to be super cautious with people like that. yeah yeah and it's not even like like coming from a a lot of the times it's not even coming from a bad place. I mean sometimes it is because they know like if you're dealing with financiers money people whatever like they know the value of a contract because they've made their money somehow and they didn't do it without contracts. So if they're telling you not to worry about a contract, that's fishy. But then there's the other side of it where there's a lot of people out there that don't have any experience at all. And they just, they, they want, they believe kind of what the 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 perspective is that you were saying before where it's not for friends, it's for the snakes. But so like they, they avoid the contracts altogether. But that's so like, you know. And, and that leads to destroying friendships. So to have it all lined out, clear, and where everything is going is the most important thing by far. And anybody who tells you we don't need a contract is either misinformed, ignorant, or they're just straight lying to you.
3: Yeah, agreed. Uh, direct communication, best way to get through many aspects in life, not just business and, and music. <laughs> oh, 100%, bro. All right guys, this
0: episode is brought to you by Best Buds CBD store. If you're like me, maybe THC isn't always the right high for you, or maybe the legal status of THC has you a bit hesitant to indulge. So at Best Buds CBD store, they have an array of CBD and Delta 8 THC products. These guys truly care about their service, so everything is meticulously sourced and prepared to deliver a top notch product and experience. If you head to their website, you'll find all kinds of educational information regarding Delta THC and CBD. Uh, not to mention, if you use promo code BOTBPOD, that's B O T B POD you'll save 10% on your order. This is not a one-time deal. If you use promo code BOTBPOD, every time you place an order with Best Buds, it will give you 10% off. That's in perpetuity forever. So head over to bestbudscbdstore.com and start saving on all of your CBD and Delta A products. Enjoy, guys. So are you... um, So when you were there, were you uh, representing uh, on behalf of Kevin or were you doing like a... Uh, Was it just like a freelance thing?
3: Uh, A little bit of both. I was there, you know, making connections with Kevin and talking to people um, to help him out. But also for Silverado's, the venue I book for, most of the agents I deal with for that venue are all based in Nashville. So a lot of that was there. And there's some crossover because, you know, you get to talking about, oh, what are are you up to? And blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, well, I play with this guy. And then it all kind of loops in, um, being on both sides of the coin, kind of being in the business aspect and the artist aspect, it's nice to have a little overlap. Kind of why I learned it, because I saw the value in knowing some of that stuff and uh, being able to utilize those skills to help the art.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, I mean, obviously, like as an artist, it's important to understand the business side and also just be able to have like that other... Just to diversify your skill set and your revenue streams as well. I'm curious because I run into this like doing the podcast and the rolodex
3: of people to know. I'm sorry. I mean, if you know a bunch, I said, and to just expand your rolodex because you know you need agents, you need managers, you need other artists, you need photographers, you need the whole gamut of uh, professions to to make it make it happen. So it's never never bad to branch out.
0: No, a hundred percent. And um so, something that I always get concerned about, like doing this podcast and like having represented, you know, a side hustle when I was doing that. It's like this kind of perceived the shift in in perception of of you where it's like you want like you're you're doing all the extra stuff because you wanna make your you wanna you wanna enhance your ability to be an artist. But do you ever feel like sometimes you become known for the other thing and then you're like, well, wait a minute. I'm actually like at heart, I'm an artist and I'm only doing this to like prop that up. So when you start to become known for the other stuff and less for the artistry, like does that ever, did you ever come across those feelings? And like, how do you like, I guess, manage,
3: like manage that. Oh, all the time. <laughs> I think about that constantly. Um, more, more inwardly, like, you know, whatever anybody else thinks that's for them to think, not for me to think about. But, uh, in myself, I think about that all the time. Like I have a day where I'm just like bogged down in business all day. I'm like, ah, oh, I need to write. I need to, I need to play bass. I need to do something. And, you know, to, to go from business brain to creative brain all in the same day is kind of tough. So I'm really trying to balance that, those sides of things. Uh, cause I don't, want to just be business i love the art side that's why i got into it i started off as an artist to be an artist realized i had to do these other things to help the art and then you know sometimes you get swept up too much in one and don't get to do the other but organization is key on that and i work on that every day
0: (laughs) a hundred percent man i mean like you it's it's so important to like manage like to understand how to manage time and everything like, do you sit down and put in like, like even if you're not feeling inspired, do you sit down and like make the time to practice and write, um, or is it just one of those things where you're like, you know, if I'm not feeling inspired, I'm not gonna put the time in right now to do it.
3: It's a mix because you know there's there's a part of creativity that's it's a muscle and you got to work it out and you got to force yourself to sit down, you know. The hardest part for me is just staying on task. Honestly, like I, I want to do it all, and then thinking about it all, I bop around too much, and then I'm like not really as productive as I want to be. So, for me, it's getting routine and structure down. And you know, if I, I'm trying more and more lately to just force myself to create something someday, even it was just picking up the guitar or ukulele or bass for 20 minutes and just playing something, no matter what it is, no matter what I'm feeling, just play it and see what happens. And those start to add up to bigger moments later on and keep that muscle flexed. Um, You know, sometimes if I get too bogged down in the business side, I'll just pick up the guitar and take a break, play that for 20 minutes, no purpose, not like I'm okay. I got to practice this scale or this song. It's just let it flow. And that, that seems to be, very helpful to calm the mind, stay on task, keep that muscle flexed. Um, like today, you know, today was kind of a light business day in the, in the morning and, um, I'm going to hang out and chat with y'all for a little bit, but then, you know, I got a new pedal and I'm going to just play some bass and make some tones and, you know, today's just my creative day. I'm not, I got all my business done. So time, time to write, time to play, time to just relax Uh, in in the creative world and then tomorrow back to business and you know just trying to trying to keep that kind of flow
0: yeah man it's uh it's it's important to like to keep putting the time into that stuff because it can be it can be very easy i know for me to like get caught up in in the other stuff you know like when um like i the biggest fear that i always have is like and Chris and I were kind of talking about it last night where it's like, well, you become known for doing this thing and then you stop getting the calls for the other thing or like just it, you, even just staying in people's heads about that you're like an artist still. And I always get early, and, you know, people like now come up to me and be like, well, you know, I, I love the podcast. Do you play at all? And I'm like, wait, <laughs> like I, the whole reason why I do the uh. podcast is because I because I play. You know, so you start right. to like get this thing, which, which I agree with you, where it's not so much about people, like how, how they perceive you, is not really any concern, except that. Unfortunately, I feel like there's a bit of concern there because you still want to stay relevant in people's heads as an artist and as a musician, because you still want the calls. You still, when you put something out, right. you don't want to be something like. Oh, I didn't even know that you did that. And then like people have this expectation, like it's not going to be very good or whatever it might be. Um, and then furthermore, yeah, that's a good it, point. It, you know, and furthermore for me, like I feel like it adds to this already like constant idea of the fraud complex where we're already wrestling with the idea that we're not maybe where some of our idols are at or, you know, um, if we're even really, are we even really operating in the same world and then to have people come back and, and, and say things like that and to know you for one thing and not the thing that you really want to be known for kind of like plays into that even more. So it becomes this very, um, internal struggle. I
4: feel like devil's advocate though. Yeah. They, uh, they know you at all, you know, they find you and then, You're, I mean, the two things are obviously linked. Maybe at the surface level, they just see something briefly, but like the avenue to find it it all directs back down to the thing. That's true. So, like, they, you know, as opposed to not knowing you as a guitar player or a podcaster, they find you as a podcaster and then go, oh, he knows what he's talking about with this music thing. Let me see what that's about. Oh, he's got albums. Oh, he plays live. Oh, and then you you rope him in one way or another. So, like, I could totally see that and see how it feeds that because it's like, well, this is just something I do on the side. But at the same time, they didn't know you before. The people I'm thinking are probably saying that to you, probably didn't know you before or something like that. Right, right. So it's like you got them. You won in a roundabout way. Yeah. And yeah, hopefully yeah. the hook drags them in deeper. But uh, you know, if they don't, you know, they still know you as someone who's out there doing something which most people don't even ever get the chance to do, let alone do two things that are dope, so.
0: That's true. I appreciate the uh
4: you got it bud <laughs> Dumb optimism Coming in with a silver lining yeah, yeah. Dumb optimism I mean, I mean
3: that's that's why i always introduce myself as a musician like i'm a musician that's what i do and then i do all this other stuff and you know that's one way for me to just keep that going in my brain too uh of just like i'm a musician that's what i am because fighting imposter syndrome and crippling self-doubt is uh is is you know, uh, part of the game sometimes. (laughs) So, you know, those little ways to just remind yourself, like, yes, I am this, I am still doing this. I'm still a part of, uh, what I want to be doing. And, and those little reminders to yourself can go a long way.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. And I think you're somebody that's done a pretty good job of, of kind of exploring different avenues, but, you know, also, maintaining your role as a bass player and as a writer, because i mean I, I I obviously we keep up with each other, so I see that you're like touring with different artists and then you're at home and you've uh you know you, re- you release a record um and then like you go back out and you tour with different people and then you've got like the booking side of it so you know uh I know that from I know that you're feeling a certain kind – I know that you have your own internal struggle, but from the outside, it looks like you've got a pretty good grasp on how to manage all of those things, you know?
3: Yeah, well, uh, I appreciate that (laughs) uh, (laughs) because my mind runs a lot faster than my outwardly appearance, that's for sure.
0: (laughs) Feel that. Um, do you, uh, are you playing with anyone else right now besides Kevin? Are you still playing with Andrew at all?
3: Uh, yeah. Uh, time to time, uh, I still get calls from, uh, Andrew and still have availability for that, but, um, kind of trying to take this next couple months a little easy. Um, got, you know, big things starting up again in end of January, so, you know, try, I really want to write again. I miss writing. I miss being in the studio. I still got a couple songs in the can um, that I didn't release from the last string of songs. So I want to get that together. I got a cover, a cover tune that I really want to put out. So I, I'm just kind of feeling this creative fall energy. Um, it's naturally when things die down a little bit. So a lot of I took I took away from this conference, too, is... Uh, just, you know, the, the planning of things and waterfalling things out. And I just feel like I need to like get a bunch of things in the can so I can really, you know, start putting out things consistently and, and just um, as, as overwhelming as it, as it all seems, I just realize like how simple it can also be. If you just plan, organize, set yourself up, right. And you know then, then you don't got to worry about it all at once. It's all planned and organized, and you can you know, do things in, in tasks and sections. and that, that really gave me a, a good perspective um, moving forward. So I'm, I'm looking forward to these next couple months of just kind of getting back into the writing headspace and being home um, to, do, to do all that. Yeah. There's that, uh,
0: what's that saying? It's like, do a little bit all the time instead of, uh, a lot sometimes, something like that. Right.
3: Yeah. 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 Yeah,
0: And that's like, that's like something that, uh, that, you know, I think it's important to do because like the, the next part of it is like, we can sit here and timeline things and do X, Y, and Z. But then, especially on the creative front, um, I know I'll speak for myself on this. It's like, Sometimes when you have the downtime, uh, you're like, man, I just want to take the downtime, but then it throws off your whole plan. Like I'm going to backlog content now I'm going to, so that when it comes to this time I can do X, Y, and Z. And then all it takes is for for you to have like one day where you're like, um, you know what, I'm not going to do this today. I'm going to do this tomorrow. And then like literally your entire plan can be disrupted for the next few months because you just didn't do something on one day. Right.
3: Right. Yeah. Self-accountability is big. Uh, I I learned a lot of that during the process of making uh, the record I put out in February. You know, I I did a lot of that record because I needed to hold myself accountable. You know, those days where I didn't feel like doing anything. um, It's easy to fall into when you're touring and traveling and moving all the time. Like, but I needed something to be accountable for. And that, that really that really helped me um, get in that mindset and keep a little of that discipline. I mean, we all need downtime, too. Like, We don't need a productive go, 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 go attitude all the time. That's going to kill you faster than doing nothing. Um, but in balance and and having the balance of that and the self-accountability. Because when you're a freelancer, when you're on your own time, your own schedule, your own desires, it's very easy to fall into that. Like, well, I don't have to do that. So why am I going to do that? I don't really need to, but, you know, even if you have no rigid timeline or no, you know, um, nobody breathing down your neck, it's, it's still good to have that, that mentality of like, no, I'm going to do this for me. I'm going to do this for whatever reason. And just, just keep that accountability in check. And I I found that to be very soothing of an anxious anxious mind and very fulfilling. Um, Once you've, you know, completed a set of tasks or a project or something, it just, there's there's a good rush of uh, confidence and good rush of, you know, just maybe a new skill set or something um, when kind of go down that path
0: Yeah, there's like a like, for me, I like when I talk to people about it, and then I don't know if you've ever if you if you've ever been met with this before, but like when you tell somebody like, well, no, I gotta I gotta be up to do X, Y, and Z tomorrow, and then they're like, well, you don't need to do that. It's like no, no, no. (laughs) it's it's self accountability, like what you're saying like you have to hold yourself to that standard by telling yourself that you need to do it. It's like, because at the end of the day, we can say that you don't really need to do anything. Well, your, your boss tells you, my boss says I got a clock in tomorrow at 8am. So I have to do that or I don't get paid. It's like, okay, but like at the end of the day, you don't need to show you can wake up and decide not to go to work tomorrow. So is there, is there a consequence for that action? Yes. Is it, is a consequence more obvious than maybe the freelancer who's trying to backlog something for whatever to do, whatever it's like, yeah, the consequence is quicker and it's more obvious, but it's not any less crucial. I don't think so. So sometimes it's, it's very disheartening when people dismiss the idea of self-imposed, uh, deadlines, right. Do you ever come across that?
3: Not necessarily from other people, but yeah, uh, I, um, I agree. Uh, they they I think you just nailed it on the head. Exactly what you just said. I mean, I think the biggest consequence of that is psychological, at least for me, like I get far more down and anxious because I feel like I've fucked up or I've wasted my time or, or was lazy and, and should have been doing something like that gets me way more down. Um, so that's why I, that that accountability is crucial because it, it really helps to uh, ward off those kind of feelings. And to me, that is some of the the worst of of this kind of lifestyle is just having those down moments and like feeling like, oh my god, what am I doing? Am I really like going back to imposter syndrome or something? And I feel like really the best way to for me to keep that away is is doing something and being proactive and having accountability and organization and all that. So, um, yeah, I, I I think, I think having that poo pooed is, is, is just not, uh, not helpful.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure, man. Which is why it's important to have people around you that can understand those things. Even if it's like, you know, the, the, even if it doesn't, necessarily mean monetary gain right away just to understand that like i need to do x y and z because you know this is the outcome that i want in the down the line and it's interesting for like for artists across any uh, artistic endeavor whether it's music acting uh you know the fine arts whatever it might be like having like that will to wake up every day and really get after it to create your own outcome is such an important I mean it's it's everything in this in this grind and it's yep. interesting that there are so many people that like for for all of that there are so many musicians and artists in general that are that are so um there's just a reputation for being flaky or unreliable and it just seems i guess the the nature of being freelance and and kind of existing in that world is like the lack of structure which can lend itself to that kind of uh i guess flakiness or or whatever but it seems that it's it's something that's very prevalent amongst artists in in a world where you need to be like totally self-reliant to be successful yeah
3: there's definitely that tendency it is uh I guess kind of a stereotype too, of of artists. Sometimes, definitely heard people characterize artists like that.
0: Yeah, man. I, th- I think it's just like the lack of structure and the lifestyle yeah. and everything that that it lends itself to it. But it's also like just a creative brain. I think can be so scattered and uh, and hard to lock down on one thing. Um, and then there's also like, <laughs> do you ever find that? You know you've put a lot of a lot of groundwork down on on something and then you have like these periods of like you know maybe a couple of weeks where there's a lot of waiting to be had and then in that waiting you get anxious and you're like i'm not doing anything i need to do something so you start like another thing that was too big of a project for you to do and then right. by the time by the time you want to do that thing like fully but by the time you've worked it out and now it's time to start it then you're like, oh man, well this other thing needs all my attention now. So then this other thing just totally like falls apart, or or now you're trying to do all of it, and it all kind of, uh, you know, suffers.
3: Yeah. Well, that I think that's the nature of the creative brain is that the, uh, you know, creativity is not necessarily nice and neat and organized. So um, creativity takes you all over the place, and as beautiful as that is, that could also like really really be a hindrance <laughs> if it goes too out of whack What what's that saying uh, it's like um you know like most creative people or geniuses are are usually pretty sloppy their house is like organized chaos <laughs> i feel like that's or- creativity in a nutshell it's just it's organized chaos
0: yeah yeah i can definitely relate to that for sure <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> there's something. There's something about the chaos that that that. Um, I think. I think. And maybe this is kind of where it comes from: is that because we do view or because our brains are so scattered, and we do view things in this kind of very abstract way, that we can unintentionally create the chaos in our lifestyle because we're trying to because the piecing together. The puzzle in the chaos is how we make sense of the world so then we create it in our own life in order to make sense of how we're living if that makes any sense I don't know
3: yeah I, I get the gist of what you're saying there and it's such yeah, a mental roller uh, coaster too so that really really doesn't help uh, with chaos and you know uh, all the other things that come with that like it's a roller coaster everything is the high it's the highest highs to the lowest lows sometimes all in the same you know 30 minutes
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure (laughs) it's like uh it's 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 a um i had a friend of mine one time say something that that i thought was interesting and we were just kind of talking about life and stuff in general and um you know i was talking about possibly moving and and whatever. And I was like, you know, there's, you know, there's, it's, I'm scared because it's like very like the chaos is going to be kind of crazy to to get readjusted and blah, blah, blah. But also just given my life and circumstances um, I've kind of, you know, I kind of thrive in that chaos. And then he was like, well, just be careful that you don't create that chaos because it's your comfort zone. You know and i was like damn that shit hit me real hard <laughs> because there is so much right. of there's so much truth to that and i think it's a very very unhealthy way to live your life honestly i think that there's like a, there's there's a role for chaos in the arts because it i think that we're trying to to take the abstract and and make something cohesive out of it that's the artistic endeavor but like you don't want right. to live your life that way because not only is it hard for you to take care of yourself and to and to grow without any kind of structure, but it also directly affects the people around you in a, in a very negative way.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, I to be honest, I kind of like... The reason I love touring so much is partially because of the chaos. <laughs> I kind of thrive in it because it's like you're in a new place every day. It's hard to get bored and, and hard to get, um, you know, complacent and you're always got to shuck and jive and, you know, you're, you get to see new things or get to do new things all the time. So like, I love, I love that. that. That's what drives me in touring. I mean, there's, there's also a lot of downsides, hard, hard to get a routine, hard to always be healthy. It's hard, you know, uh, um, all, you know, there's, there's tons of downsides to that, but I, I think one of the biggest allures for me is that chaos of just like, Ooh, what's coming next? You know, who, I don't know what's coming next. And I'm excited about that. You know, when I sit home too long, that's when I start to get a little restless. Cause I'm like, ah, oh, I need something new. I need some, something to shake this up a little bit. And, you know, maybe, maybe be that, you know, uh, you know a fly in the jar where somebody's just shaking it up and then you come out and you're like oh man what's going on like, i kind of kind of love that aspect of touring
4: <laughs> i've always thought that there's like a connection between chaos and like improvising as musicians like you know a lot of us really love that improvising and just kind of applying it like sometimes you stick the landing sometimes you don't but like let's say we're all pretty good at improvising. There's like a certain element of like navigating that chaos deftly and like seeing patterns. And like, I just think there's like a direct relationship to like, you know, musicians being able to navigate that a little bit. It's the only world I think
0: that makes sense to us. If you're a musician that thinks like that, because then you have like people like that don't improvise that find that chaos to be, you know, anxiety ridden and it, it, it cripples them. They they want yeah. they want to play like if you look at a a band like, you know, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, mm-hmm. right? Like there was not if there was any improvising it was it was like, over, you know, like
4: it was over structure.
0: Yeah, it was over a structure. And even that is a stretch. I feel like, you know, mm-hmm. um, so I'm curious. I'm wondering about like, you know, the, that kind of mentality versus like so, like a band like fish or the dead where it's like there's these just every night is to, is making something
4: out of that chaos right yeah i'm guessing those two bands have very different day to day itineraries <laughs> yeah you know like one is structured and one doesn't exist <laughs> right um yeah, right? yeah well
3: that's not true though i just i just <laughs> i just heard a podcast with mike gordon I was uh, inside the musician's mind podcast i don't okay. know if you guys have ever listened to that but uh, I, I listened to the Mike Gordon one on that, and, you know, he was talking about how they create set lists for the night. And he was just saying, like, Trey wakes up at 6 a.m., he writes about 100 songs, maybe by 8 it's whittled down to, like, 60, and then by 11 it's, like, you know, you know 30, and then right around showtime they've maybe got 10, and then they just kind of figure it out when they get out there. You know, that's that's kind of like organized chaos in a way. Like it's, it's pretty structured considering how improvised they feel, you know, that, that, that's like a routine and, you know, that, that just feels, I took away from that. That's just like an organized chaos in a way.
4: It's definitely organized chaos. Picking a hundred tunes over the night. Good God. Yeah, (laughs) certainly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, that—that's kind of the magic of of improv, anyways, right? It's like that. It's never—I mean, it's not never, but like the best improv, I feel like there is some kind of structure that 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 that, you know that's kind of underlying in the whole thing. A lot of the times, you know, what's perceived improv is just people like if you look at Humphries, McGee, like they there is a lot of improv to their show, but there is a structure also that they're following to kind of prop up the improv elements to it. Um, and I think that's when it's kind of done best. It's, it's, it is, it's again, just a principle of organized chaos, you know?
3: Well, I, I heard from Phil Lesh um, that, you know, I, I've, I've, I, I've, I, think I was pretty young in my music endeavor Um, when I heard this and it was just all about the moment and you know maybe you're playing the same 12 bar blues structure or you know you're just playing a song it's an organized a to b to c to d whatever structure and you know within that there you have room to just be in the moment and to me that's almost improv because you're feeling the moment you're you're not Yes, you might have a structure, but if you're truly in the moment with it, you're not playing that song the same way you played it the night before or a year ago. Like you're just embracing the moment. You're maybe you're holding the note out a little longer or punctuating it or, you know, I don't know, flipping a, a little bit of a pattern around within the same structure. Like that that's improv in its own right. Um the moment I think that that's the the biggest thing about improv is just being in the moment and it doesn't have to be completely free formed coming up with that thing right there. Maybe it's just a different breath or you know some something like that 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 creates a, a new moment.
0: Yeah hundred percent that really
3: struck that really struck a chord with me. I've heard a lot of people talk about um, non-varying exercises too lately where, you know, these monster players, uh, again, to go back to that Mike Gordon podcast I listened to, he was playing with the dead and they just played the same. They all picked their pattern over the chord, and they played this same thing for minutes on end. And he says, that's just such a, a zen thing because you start to breathe into it you start to like it's like chanting a mantra or something and you just breathe into it and you give those each moment you play it each pass of the phrase just starts to be so musical even though it's the same thing because you're finding that moment you're finding that breath you're finding that little punctuation different you're find, it's just I find that the, it, it's been so inspiring to think that way when I, when I approach a song writing or even just getting on stage and playing songs I've played a bunch or even improv. Um, you know, true improv. It's that, that's been like the lifeblood of, of my, you know, kind of meditation into the music.
0: Yeah, it's a reminder to uh, to be present when you're playing, regardless of what it is. Because all too all too often, we can get caught up in just you know playing the gig. It's the same songs, or even if there is like jam sections or improv stuff, you know, there's you're playing with the same people, so there's this kind of like there's this language that you that's predictable, and and you uh, can just become something that that becomes passive to you. So like to hear people at that level, like Phil Lesher, Mike Gordon talking about being, uh, present like that because those guys have played, you know, with the same guys for, you know, 30, 40, 50 years, you know? So it's like for them to, so for them to come out and, and, and to acknowledge just like, like the, the presence. And the refreshing nature of that presence is just, you know, it's it's a reminder to like people like us that haven't been doing it a fraction as long to keep that same energy so we don't get burnt out on the thing, I think.
3: Yeah, for sure. And also it's just a reminder that like you don't have to play every note. You don't have to play absolutely everything you're feeling because maybe it's not appropriate. And the the appropriate thing is to just play play the music you know not play the ego not play the the desire but play the music and kind of be played by the music in the same same time um, right that that's at least how I started to perceive that a little bit too just like maybe this one note or this one bar pattern or whatever this is what I'm supposed to play and if you're breathing into it and, and acknowledging the moment of it it will all come together. And then maybe it takes you like, okay, I can throw this in here now or whatever. Um, it just kind of keeps that in that, that sometimes desire to feel like you need to be doing more. Um, keeps that in check.
0: Yeah. And there's something very spiritual about that. I think too, like this idea of relinquishing, um, your ego to the moment where you can re- really allow yourself to take in the information around you, so you can appropriately respond, um, you know, to the moment. I think that that's that's like, you know, that's what meditation's all about. It's about like you know, just kind of um, really paying attention to what's happening right here and now, and to have an effective improv session or just even a musical moment in general, whether it's on stage in the studio, what practicing just relinquishing control to um, the moment and to the music really, and allow yourself to take in that information to, to be able to contribute effectively.
3: I mean, shit, man, that even goes to like just listening to the birds and the music around you. You don't even have to be playing or with anybody or like just, being in that moment, like I love listening to birds. They make great music. And it's it's just a matter of sitting and listening to it if you know, you really want to dive deep. I, I heard that from Jacko Pastorius is that like just music is all around if you're listening to it. Yeah. And that's why most of listening most of music is actually not playing, it's listening.
0: Right. Yeah. 100%, you have to listen man. to
3: play. You know.
0: Yeah, there was this. Uh, there was one time when I was on uh, when I was on tour uh, years back, and we were up in Maine somewhere. I don't remember, but like we were we had a night off and we were just hanging out. We were. Um, I remember uh, we were staying at the at the at a friend of the band leader's house. It was like a lake house, um, and it was beautiful. The lake was huge. The sunset was like. I mean, gorgeous. It was just the way it was reflecting off the clouds. It's bright red, orange kind of thing. And like the trees all around were in the woods. And it's just, the setting was beautiful. I just heard this bird um, in the distance doing, they, they were just, uh, you know, whatever their call was and I and the interval, like the interval they were doing, I was like, that is that like that interval just exists in nature. I don't remember what the interval was that I heard, but I remember it sounding relatively familiar. And I was like, that interval just exists. And then we can take that and apply it to something to create something meaningful in music, you know? And I think that there's something intrinsic in music that, uh, that relates back to to nature and and, you know, just our most primitive selves, you know?
3: Good, good use of intrinsic. Good word. Yeah. Word of the day. People, everybody, people intrinsic.
0: People, uh, it, that's that. People get that that word, like the context of that word, wrong a lot, and it drives me it drives me crazy. It will say. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but oh, so yeah, I don't not know, to make man. a joke
3: of your point. Yes, that's a beautiful point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, are you familiar with our segment, unpopular opinions?
3: uh vaguely
0: okay so basically what we do is we go through and we each say an opinion that we feel like is unpopular and then we discuss it for a few minutes and then we move on and then we you know that's that's the segment (laughs) so um (laughs) it's uh it's fun we try and keep politics or religion out of it however if you'd like to go there uh that's totally uh on the table but um so chris you want to go first
4: Donald Trump is the best Pope we've ever had. Wait a second. All right. (laughs) Uh, um, All right. This one probably won't hit super hard with you, but there are people out there and myself that are tired of it. Um, Online video gaming is no longer any fun because people are just so fucking good at it. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I am. I'm, Don't have a lot of free time, but I have an Xbox and maybe once a week, if I've got a window, I'll go and sit down and play. And I love like the first person like role games like Red Dead Redemption, Grand Theft Auto, Fallout, very like at your own pace, just like fun games. And recently I got uh, on Call of Duty and played with my brother and it was miserable. (laughs) I did not enjoy it at all because I, I spent more time dead than I did anything. people are just so good i mean they're all professionals and i'm just like wandering it it was not fun in the slightest i'm like who enjoys this like the they're literally everyone's a twitch streamer now everyone's like trying to make money off the thing i'm just like how is this fun like this used to be something we did for enjoyment this is ridiculous i was furious
0: are you playing like aren't there like different levels you can play at
4: though this is the lowest level. It's like low. there, there, there are ranked like things you can do. Uh, and then there's just like the unranked, you know, kind of free for all stuff. And that's where I go. I'm like, Oh, this will be good. No, like even just those are a free for all death match. And I'm just like, all right, this is insane. I've been playing this game for honor and KP will walk in. And he goes, dude, you suck. Yeah. <laughs> you are just terrible. He's like, I haven't <laughs> seen you block anything once. I haven't said like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know, dude. The game came out 10 years ago, and everyone's a professional at it at this point, and I just thought it looked fun, so here's that. So fuck me, right? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So much for free time. Now I'm (laughs) angry. Like, oh, good. That was a good use of my free one hour I had this week is just yelling at a screen. Yeah. (laughs) This is cool. Um, Yeah, so I'm really, really enjoying this avenue of relaxing that I've picked. It's really great.
0: Do you play games, Keith? (laughs) I do not. Yeah. I feel I'll play that.
3: like I'll play Risk on my phone maybe or some Settlers of Catan on my phone, but that's the extent of it. I used to be back in the day uh when I was a kid, I'd game till my I couldn't sleep for two days, but um not so much anymore.
4: Yeah. There's just not time for it anymore, and that's why like that's why I love games like Fallout or something or Assassin's Creed, like I'll get I'll get it and then I can play it for 8 months you know, one or two hours a week and it'll last me for, you know, it'll last me so long and there's no, you know, you're just playing the game. You're not against other people that are out trying to prove a point. And so I, uh, I dipped my toe in the pool and will not be going back.
0: <laughs> yeah. I like, I, I like the games like Assassin's Creed and Grand Theft Auto and stuff. um, I don't pl- I don't play them anymore just because I know what'll happen. Yeah, and I will become obsessed. They're They do that. I, they are. Yeah. Yeah. And I just you know I'm as we've I, learned from this conversation today I'm already having a hard enough time staying motivated <laughs> to be an artist and uh, uh, I don't need video games to distract me.
3: Yeah, I, I was always more into like roller coaster Tycoon and The Sims and all those kind of games. Mm, a very practical mind. Uh, I just love roller coasters. So it was always fun to just make one that's like insane and then watch everybody puke or fly off the thing. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. Just, just see how ridiculous you can make things.
0: Yeah. I used to love playing The Sims also when I was a kid because I just liked um, the idea of trying to. I don't know, again, it's just, it's just puzzle, just like building a puzzle. It's like we're trying to build a house, so how do we build a house? And then, you know, you would think as somebody who liked to play games like that as a child that I'd be much better with uh, organizing my time and my <laughs> finances now, but it seems that uh,
3: I didn't really translate. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the best part of that game was building the houses. The gameplay could be like, man, this is boring. I live my everyday life. Why do I want to live another life in a, in a, in a video game? So I, I would just build like dope houses and then get really bored with the game and be like, all right, I'm done with this.
0: That's 100% true. That's why I stopped playing. Like, when, when I don't think I've really played a game like for real um, since I was like 15 and Grand Theft Auto San Andreas came out mm. and I uh, had the Xbox 360 when it was like brand new. Yep. And, that, and I beat that game. And I used to play Red Dead Revolver. Before Red Dead Redemption came out, I think mm-hmm. I played Red Dead Redemption as well, and then that was like it. After that, and then oh, don't get me started on Smash Bros. and mm. Mario Kart. Oh, I dude, classic. A, yeah, classic. dude, and I'm obnox. I, I used to be obnoxiously an good at those right games. Now. Yes, N sixty four, hundred percent. Not this. I mean, the, I played. Blitz. I played Brawl on. A, it's not the same. The, on a, the, yeah, not Brawl the same on the Wii. Yeah, I played Brawl on the Wii. Not the same as what?
4: Not the same as GameCube.
0: Oh, dude, get it? <laughs> I that was the one that I hated oh, the most. Oh, melee! On. I hated melee. We must, we must be nineties kids. <laughs> yeah, it's for kids. Yeah, uh, um, but th- but like again, those were all like games I could play with my friends, like in our spare time. It wasn't like. You know, online stuff. So I yeah, don't know. it's not
4: like you're going up against the grand world champion every time you log on, and just like, okay, cool.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right. The, the um, game of all so games yeah, that kind of,
3: was GoldenEye.
0: Yes, a hundred percent. I loved GoldenEye. Do you ever play GoldenEye, Chris? What's that? The James Bond game.
4: Yeah, I've heard of it, but I uh, my first console was a PS2, so I'm a little
0: yeah. He's a little a
4: little child over here. Yeah, a little
0: different generation, I guess. <laughs>
4: Heard the um, stories. Heard it was great. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Don't be condescending. <laughs> oh, that's where we draw the line. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Keith, what you got from popular opinion? Mm. You can. Buc- we can always come back to you, also, if you want.
3: Uh, I said, Bucky's is becoming a cult.
0: Dude, I just... This is so funny that you say that because I just said this also.
4: Jess said it as her unpopular opinion when she was on... That's what she said? Verbatim. Was Bucky's (laughs) is a cult. Uh, Really? uh,
3: (laughs) That's her exact phrasing and everything. To to be honest, I did not see that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no. That just came to me off the top of my head because I was just at a Bucky's.
4: (laughs) That just tells you how true it really is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, I don't understand the hype about it i think here's why i think i think they get so much hype because of the hype if that makes sense yeah
4: it's it's feeding on itself in a loop at this point
0: yeah it's basically a walmart with a gas station yeah and i don't understand And, and like,
3: nice clean shitters mm-hmm. yeah i'll that's give them true. that
4: yeah that is the i mean
0: <laughs> and they do have good food there too yeah, compared to most when
3: you're gas on the stations. road and you, it's That's like you know, seedy gas station with the like fucking rim attached to a key to go to a bathroom versus a Bucky's. I'm picking the rim attached to the key all day, you know. I'm yeah, kidding. Bucky's all day. <laughs> Bucky's
0: all day. So I'm dude. Like it's
4: the Ruth's Chris of gas stations, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
0: it just it, it amazes me though the people that buy the uh, like all the merchandise and I mean. They must be making a killing on that. It's like it's crazy to me. You, I don't you know. You don't get
3: your uh you don't get your kitchen slogan signs from Bucky's. <laughs> they got a whole section of just like live laugh love and you know God damn it Keith, you're just took a little a laugh out of my a mouth. Lot. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> <laughs> or buck up and have a good day or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you should uh, you should apply for their marketing team, Chris. Already had it. <laughs>
3: Working on Well, sponsors. shit! If uh, that—that's actually my uh, my backup plan because every time I pump gas at a Bucky's, they're like, you know, assistant manager, two hundred or one hundred fifty thousand a year. I'm like, shit! What the hell am I doing? I can make one hundred fifty thousand dollars working at a Bucky's. I'm for over I mean, here busting my ass driving this fucking van. For, yeah. You don't
4: you don't want the smoke of trying to organize that much jerky alphabetically and by taste. It's 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 almost impossible. Chris knows from experience apparently. My former life I was in a Bucky's. <laughs> no, I just I spend a lot of time in the jerky aisle. What you gonna do?
3: <laughs> was that um, what your character in the Sims did?
4: <laughs> What's the Sims? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, yeah, he was a he was a jerky curator. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, bro, uh, I agree with you though. I think Bucky's is absolutely becoming a cult, and I, uh, I don't, I, I don't. okay, I, I It's the same thing that happened with, with Wawa years ago. And Publix.
4: Well, Publix to an extent because y- Publix is
0: different though because Publix is a supermarket that I think is objectively better than all the supermarkets in America.
4: I would argue that Bucky's is objectively better than most gas stations.
0: Okay, that's Wegman. like being the Shout out to the kid Northeast. at Fat Camp.
4: Same with Publix. What the fuck are you trying <laughs> nah, to prove, nah, dude?
0: Nah, dude. Here's the thing: is that like grocery stores are where you go. It's the local watering holes where you go to the survive. Fuck it
4: is. Who's ever said that grocery stores are the local <laughs> watering
0: hole, bro? It's where you go to get your food to live and survive. It's 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 our hunting ground. Okay. Yeah. So it's important <laughs> that we get good food at a, a quality food at an affordable price. I think Publix does that better than anywhere else. Bucky's. Nope.
3: I disagree. Oh, do, what do you think, Keith? Wegmans. What is Wegmans it? Wegmans all day. A Wegmans? Wedmins? It's a Northeast thing. Yeah, Wegmans. we don't have those w- down e- here. Yeah. No, um, no. I think the farthest south it is is Virginia, but it is literally the best grocery store you'll ever go to.
4: I'm going to... Uh, I think we got some grocery got public beat by on. a long shot. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> says the same thing about HEB out west and everything, too, so we're... We might have to start a little, a little tussle.
0: We're gonna make merch out of it. Publix is greater than uh, Wegman's. <laughs> you hear that, Wegman's? We're coming. Let's for just do you. a
4: grocery store tour. <laughs> let's let's go back to your thing real quick because I don't like that at all. Um, it's a quality <laughs> of life thing, not just a watering hole survival thing. We, as a society, just want a certain quality of life across the board. And Bucky's with their clean wet restrooms on the desolate highway system of america is a golden beacon <laughs> just as hard as publix is we just want that quality across the board it doesn't matter whether it's food whether it's relief on a you know long day on the road we just want that quality so you're telling me that you're
0: part of the bucky's cult
4: fuck off <laughs> okay and come find me at bucky's in the mascots <laughs> <All right. laughs>
3: you've eaten too many beaver nuggets man what?
4: Yeah, mine's the I I couldn't get the one here in St. Augustine. I gotta go to Daytona every day yeah. for my shift. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a real commitment. You're gonna drive an hour and a half south. I do. <laughs> Cause Bucky's is that good. Alright, that was a good unpocket. I mean you Peter know You
3: know it's a cult when they gotta steal your <laughs> Bucky's grateful dead Let's shirt.
0: See my sorry, what were you saying? All right, guys. Well, um, unfortunately, we had some issues with the Zoom call, and we lost Keith on that last unpopular opinion. Uh, but I thought it was a great conversation. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Let us know what you think in the comments. Like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. And we will certainly be getting Keith back on because him and I can talk for hours on this stuff. I, him and I go you know, a long way back working with the River Rats and Side Hustle and you know Southeast Tours and all that So we can go on for days about about this stuff. So anyways, again, we hope you enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for tuning in. Peace.